This is Celia with WNXP. Our record of the week is Big Sigh, the fourth release from British singer-songwriter, multi-instrumentalist Marika Hackman, her first original material in several years. The songs that make up Big Sigh are lush and expansive and thoughtful and deep. So unsurprisingly, my conversation with Marika Hackman felt that way too. Is it true? Do you think you're in love? To be an inversion of reality and see I'm glad we could fit this in. Thank you for making time. Like, oh, just my pleasure. Just days after the record's uh, been released, are you feeling really good about it? I just saw you posted a cute couple of pics with your dog. <laughs> yes, I love my dog. Um, no, I'm feeling good. Yeah, I'm feeling like um, I feel really kind of calm about it, which is such a nice feeling because I think, you know, the like months leading up to releasing a record, especially if you shove Christmas right in the middle of that, like there's a lot going on and it's kind of chaos. Um, so actually now that it's out, I just feel like super chilled and everyone seems to be really liking it, which is also lovely. Um, and yeah, just kind of excited for the next year ahead and making another one, really. Well, this was, first of all, we're talking about Big Sigh, your newest record, and it, it seems like it was a long time coming. So the fact that you're already focused on new <laughs> new tunes, like, OK, Big Sigh of Relief, this is out. People love it. Now on to the next one. But can you speak to the theme of the record and calling it Big Sigh and, and what went into the making of this? Yeah, I mean, Big Sigh, it's just a big sigh. Like it's it's all about kind of release and relief and acceptance. And, you know, I think a sigh is often something that's kind of negative, I think, on the front of it with someone sighing. It's kind of heavy. But there's also something very satisfying about a sigh. There's something positive about a sigh. It, it's letting go. And it, I think even on a physical scientific level, it's supposed it's there to help you, you know. So I think all of that encapsulates A, the making of this record and B, you know, the themes that are on there. It's really sort of grappling with darkness and the depths of humanity that can be very difficult and, and digging through old traumas and bringing them up and observing them. But it's it's bringing them up to observe them, to kind of let them go, like let go of the balloon and kind of let it float off, you know. So there's hope throughout the record and there's acceptance and there's a lightness to it, even though I think it tackles quite dark themes, in my opinion. <laughs> well, beautifully said. I'll be thinking about that balloon imagery a bunch, about holding onto it and then letting it go. Occupy your mind, don't stay home Talk to all your friends, but don't look at your phone Scream into a bed, try to turn your brain off You know, the first single we got and we played a lot here on WNXP, No Caffeine, was sort of like a, a tongue-in-cheek, like, pep talk to self, right? Like, here's yeah. how am I going to make it. I'm not trying to paraphrase, but it's really beautiful and, and entertaining set of lyrics. But where do you go, Marika, when you need that? I mean, do you, do you tap your inner well, or is there an external source of comfort for that self-care to, you know, to repeat mantras that will 
keep you happy and healthy like maybe you spoke to in that song yeah I mean I think I look very inwardly I think I think for a long time I have felt like self-sufficiency is sort of the key to life I think as I'm getting older that's not true I realized that but I think certainly throughout my teens and my 20s like I have learned a lot of skills to be able to cope with things by just basically talking to myself in my head and understanding and and again acceptance acceptance I think is the big one you can fight and you can struggle um actually one of my exes always used to say that like I would always hang on to the rope like I was always dangling out of sheer tenacity to stay on top of everything and actually sometimes you have to let go of the rope and that's really important and that's kind of stuck with me I think accepting things and understanding things is going to help to move through stuff. Nothing ever is going to take away pain, you know, or stress, depression, anxiety. There's no sort of like, oh, now that I can logic my way out of this, there's no out of this. It's more like a sitting alongside and observing and and just feeling and accepting that, you know, you move past that. And yeah, that's kind of how I deal with things now. Um, But yeah, again, even the word like dealing with it, there's nothing really to be dealt with. It's just living isn't it <laughs> unfortunately yeah here here you know what, I, you know what I've said I've had a lot of change in my personal and professional lives in the last few years and without being too woo-woo about it I've tried to describe it as choosing to to let go not because you will be empty-handed if you don't clutch but because you'll be open-handed if you're not yes. clutching onto something old there's yeah. room for the new yeah it's exactly open-handed it's not like a scarcity mindset half full oh shit I'm not holding on to anything so I'm unmoored it's yeah I have and room not fear, and like change as well change I find change so scary like I find it terrifying but then all of the best things in life happen because something changes we don't all just get born and everything is exactly how you want it you have to make the changes and it's like just remembering that we're all actually pretty resilient and you just kind of you just have to just keep on going <laughs> Well, speaking of changes, I'm so curious about, and this is just the first time I'm getting to talk to you, so um, you've probably shared this a bunch, but you grew up in a really creative household, I understand, and I wondered how you, because you've been playing music for so long, how you've embraced changes musically, whether in composition and the elements you might bring in for producing an album, and how it sounds eventually, or... um, yeah, how you how you compose to start with, what the melodies come to in your head. Has that changed at all since you've been making music for a long time? I mean, yeah, there's been lots of shifts and changes. I mean, the one constant is that the creative process is still completely enigmatic and there's no there's no real process. In fact, even calling it a process doesn't even make sense because there is no process. It's it's like the only thing that you have control of is actually showing up and hoping that something will strike, something beautiful. And then it's just a case of um, having stamina and work ethic really to like push it through. Um, So that's my constant, but in terms of changing, I mean, I've I've made a bunch of records that all sound, in my opinion, pretty different to each other. I've, I've definitely kind of like tried on different roles, different genres, different hats of like who I am as a musician, who I want to inhabit on the stage, who I want to inhabit in the studio. And that's been, really really fun and it's taught me a lot I've, I've learned that I can do certain things that I can pull through to different records and things like that but with Big Sigh I think I stopped thinking about those things and I think with Big Sigh I wasn't trying on any hats and I wasn't thinking about like whether I'd be able to sort of prance around on stage in a suit it was like I'm gonna make a record um, and I'm I have to make a record because it's what I do and this is really difficult and how am I gonna do this and that was the kind of main focus suddenly just became about 
writing songs. And I think it really reminded me that at the core of everything, that's what I love the most. And that's that's the skill I'm trying to hone the most as I move through, you know, being as honest as possible, um, which is, you know, being vulnerable. It's it's intimidating. It's difficult to actually find true vulnerability because even seeking it out feels slightly inauthentic but to achieve that you know that's what creates connection you know as a listener and someone who makes music you know that that's what that magic is so I think the shift now is going to be onto the actual songwriting itself and how I can really perfect that in whatever way that kind of manifests you know going forward can you think of anything specific in the making of big side maybe a specific song where you were like uh, this is too vulnerable, but I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to share it, whether lyrically or, or musically, you taking a leap. Um, no, because I'm not. I'm not scared of the vulnerability when it when it does arrive. I think it's because I think it's so important, and I kind of love it. Like I love playing the harder, you know, the perceived harder songs because you can really inhabit those emotions like much more easily. It's at the surface, which is great. There's always stuff like, I don't want to piss off any exes, you know, there's things like that. Um, or like my mum, you know, she wasn't mad keen on the lyrics for vitamins. She was like, oh my God, people are going to think I'm a monster. And I was like, no, it's because it's not, it's not about my mum. It's not about my dad. It's, it's about like archetypes, tropes, aspects of myself, the masculine, the feminine, etc. Monsters are a waste of skin. Um, so I, you know, once I'd explained that to her, that was fine. But you know, there's, there's, it's more about other people actually. I don't want to drag anyone into my stuff um, and drop them in it in any way. So that's the only way in which I kind of temper my writing is to make sure I'm not kind of like upsetting anyone. I suppose that's courteous, right? That's like <laughs> making it human centered, even though it's your creative expression. <laughs> yeah. I was I was going to ask you about um, vitamins, as I would say, vitamins here, old Southern United States. <laughs> it's I love how beautifully you curse in that song because it's your voice all across the record and, and historically, but your voice is so clear. And then, so it, it's higher impact, right? When you say a, a, a bad word yeah. and it drives a point home. But then that song has this really interesting sort of psychedelic midsection. talk a little bit more about that song and like some of the yeah. production choices on it yeah well so I had that song was actually so lyric led which is really rare for me um I normally melodies and harmonies you know that springs into my head first um but I, those lyrics popped in and I was like whoa <laughs> whoa there um so I kind of I tried many different iterations there, there's a kind of like plicky plucky guitar version of that song um, which goes into this quite kind of um, positive chorus that has lyrics and everything and all that kind of stuff. And it just wasn't working. It, it didn't have the impact that it needed um, and the kind of conversationality. It felt very like shoehorned into being a song. So I started playing around on the piano and had those kind of moody chords that were kind of floating. Um, and so when it came to the chorus, which is it's not even really a chorus, I don't know, the, the kind of in those instrumental sections, um, I just really went with my instincts and started fiddling around with different piano sounds. And 
yeah, I then kind of wanted it to feel like uh, dropping into like a barrel of honey was how I wanted it to feel. So I wanted this like these super upfront, direct, raw, almost grotesque, very self-deprecating lyrics that are also then reflecting on sort of like society as well with that final line before you then just get dropped. I will go down in a shower of flame Cause I'm not special and you're all insane We're not special and we're all insane and but the drop feels nice like it feels like i guess it's letting go of the rope like we were talking about earlier like it's actually kind of like a really satisfying like floating feeling amongst all of this darkness and then that thing at the end where you're kind of reveling in that but there's something over the horizon that's like pulling you back into kind of doom. There's this like this big shadow coming towards you on the horizon. So yeah, it was a real, a real track of just like feeling and instinct as opposed to like cerebral sort of songwriting, which is what I would normally go for, you know? So we yeah. always play, you know, a single if we get it and we love it, like no caffeine, but are there tracks that they might not never get, you know, the single treatment, but you are really, really um, attached to from this record and you'd like to tell a story about it. I just think it's a cool opportunity that I, I can do that. It's sort of chef's choice. Um, yeah, I love it when that happens. Cause yeah, you're right. It's like you get the three singles or whatever and you don't get to mm -hmm. like there's single that never really my favorite tracks off the records that I make. So yeah, it's nice to like do a deep dive. I think the one for me that stands out and isn't particularly radio friendly is it's the ground just because it's like this opening and i think it really set the tone and the kind of sonic palette for the record and i wrote it first it was the first thing i wrote i had actually written it kind of like at the end of my writing cycle for the album before and i i always had it in the back of my mind i was going to turn it into a fully fledged song and kept on trying and couldn't and then realized that I didn't need to do that. I was actually, you know, if I just had the confidence in what it already was, because I already loved it, that would be fine. And even that as a choice, you know, that then went on to inform like Vitamins, how I approached writing that track and also um, The Lonely House being just, you know, a piano instrumental. And it has just such a grasp on the kind of dynamic context of the record. Um, it really sets it out, like the parameters of where we're going to go with the record. So it's like this perfect kind of easing in um, and it's, yeah, it will never get, like, there will never be a single. But if someone said, how would you describe the record? I would just say, just listen to the ground and that will, that will let you know. Awesome. This is why we do this. I love, I love to know that. And um, again, these are, you know, fresh to most ears tracks, but the yeah. fact that it's one of the oldest ones you had, is that normal for you, Marika, to like hold on to a, a concept or a fragment and just sort of shelve it and come back to it later? Or are you very like, nope, this is trash, bye, and then delete it from your own memory bank? 
I well, I tend to write <laughs> to order. So like I, I you know I'll write like ten tracks, and those ten tracks will be on the record or whatever. But there there are always a couple, and they are yeah, like you say, like fragments that sit there. And it's funny most of the time I know I know they won't become songs. But when I do have to sit down with a blank page in front of me and start writing another record, I always go back to them. And they're always the kind of launch pad where I will convince myself that maybe if I just give it one more shot, you know, this time I'll turn it into a song and it'll, I can start the record. But they always just sit there. I've got probably like five of them just floating around. Um, and who knows, like, you know, at some point they might click. I like that I'm still holding out this hope, even though I kind of know in the back of my mind. But it's very rare that I will write something like longer than 30 seconds that will then get completely chucked in the bin, basically. They will always still be floating around. I love that. That was my hopeful answer from you since I'm sort of a, also artistic pack rat. I'm like, no, but it might be great. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't just throw it away. It's like Don't hoarding. Just, it's like yeah. hoarded song. <laughs> Honestly, if you're going to hoard something, hoard the music that, that comes out of your brain and your fingers and your mouth, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, so speaking of vocally, how do you approach how this sounds finally on record. I, I mentioned, it seems like there's some vocal effects happening, but it's really showcasing your skill, your gift as a singer. So how, how do you work in the studio to make sure it sounds the way you want on record? Just having to, it's like feeling really comfortable is the main thing. If I feel uncomfortable, I go back into like choir boy voice, which is like what all of my early records sound like because I was nervous and young and hadn't really pushed to see how far my voice could go. And I think like, it was like on the second and third albums, I really started, when I think I was inhabiting those kind of confidence building characters, that's when I started really messing around with my delivery and, and putting like acid into my vocal or kind of like lust and, and playing with just like stretching your mouth whilst you're singing words. And because um, you, you always think you're putting emotion into something and you'll listen back and it actually sounds just flat as a pancake and you actually really have to go extra to, to get that emotion in. So with this one, I think, you know, that, felt more instinctive now, like less of a conscious choice getting that emotion in because I feel older and more confident that when I'm actually feeling those emotions, I can really, really let them come to the surface. Um, so yeah, it was kind of a joy to sing really. Um, apart from Slime is, is such a hard song to sing. <laughs> the intervals or whatever it is, I, I hate singing it. Um, love the song, but I hate singing it. And then yeah, trying to keep it kind of Keep it pretty natural. There's like some there's like some really dry moments there, which is always quite intimidating, you know, not slapping a reverb on everything to hide those rough edges and mucking about with a few little vocodery sounds and things like that as well. But I think it's more it's a confident, if you know, emotional but delivery for this record. That's funny you said that about slime as though somebody's punishing you to be like, you have to do this. You're like, it's mine though. <laughs> I know. Like I could have changed that melody, but I couldn't. There's no way. <laughs> I love it. That's one of my favorites too to oh, highlight. So sublime, turn to slime. Cause I see you, I see you, I see you crawl into my bedroom. Do you want to? So 
yeah, I think about you as a composer, the piano parts. I love that you included the Lonely House. That to me on the record felt like the first breath of the big sigh, right? It's like, okay, now moving on to other tough stuff. <laughs> but yeah. It's like a, a moment to breathe. Um, yeah. Talk about how, whether you're writing or just between record cycles, uh, poking about, do you sit down at the piano pretty often and, and, and just mess around and see what comes out? Well, I didn't actually have a piano at that time. So I had like my kind of MIDI keyboard set up in my bedroom, which meant that, and it's quite a big MIDI keyboard. So a lot of the time I had to like, I had to like set it up and take it all down. Um, Cause it was like, I needed to sit at my desk for something else or like my bedroom was tiny. So it was just like, I needed space. So actually it was quite like, oh, here comes the, <laughs> the piano out again. Um, and I'd, I'd consciously be sitting there to write. Um, whereas now, me and my partner share a studio about 20 minutes from our flat and we now have a piano in the studio. Um, so I've been too busy for the last couple of months in sort of pre this record release prep. Um, but I'm very, very excited for the next album because yes, I will sit down at a piano and I will just muck about on it because that's that's how I write is, is just playing and sort of feeling my way towards things, you know? So to, the thought of being able to just sit down for a day at a piano and see what happens is um, a very exciting prospect for me. I know you're you're touring mostly over on your home turf and not here in the states i hope that you could get here and, and play some of these songs for us in music city but in the yeah. meantime I, I wish you all the health and happiness and joy with this new record out it's so lovely big size what it's called and thank we're you. playing multiple tracks here on wnxp thank you for making the time given the time difference i really appreciate that we could fit oh this no in. no honestly my pleasure it's been a joy talking to you thank you take good care Bye. see ya Bye bye, bye.